Um, today we're talking about something that's very relevant right now, very heavy, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have had um, conversations already about, and maybe you have your own questions, maybe you have your own thoughts, um, maybe you have friends that have different thoughts and questions. And so our goal today, Sean and I's goal today, is to equip you guys with the information um, that you need both biblical information and medical information and just ethical information so that you know how to defend what you believe in. And we are going to take a pro-life approach um, because this is a pro-life church. Sean and I are pro-life. We believe God is pro-life. So that is the perspective we're coming from. But um, also, like, we want to talk about why pro-choice people believe what they believe. So if you differ in your, in your opinion, we also want to hear that. Um, but yeah, Shauna has done a lot of work to prepare for this. She's going to bring the side that doesn't really have anything to do with Christianity because a lot of us have friends that aren't Christians. So like when we say why we don't believe in abortion, they're like, well, it's because you're a Christian, right? <laughs> and so our goal today is to equip you guys with things that are both biblical but also not, not, um, not biblical at the same time so you know it's just wrong across the board. Um, so yeah, but we also want to be really sensitive about it because it is a sensitive, complex issue that's just not black and white. Um, so we also want to keep compassionate hearts and open minds, but also stick to the truth. Um, so Shauna, if you could maybe introduce yourself and then yeah. take it away. Yeah. So my name is Shauna. Um, I'm not really sure what else I'm supposed to say about myself, but I love being here with you guys and I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, so as I was preparing for this, I was praying and just trying to figure out, um, how I wanted to start this. And the first thing that came to my mind was, um, the gift of free will. And that's a gift that God has given all of us. So the question is, is, you know, where did free will start? And God allows us to choose what we want to do in life, where we want to go. And that, that includes the choice to follow him. It also includes all the way down to the smallest things of what coffee I get this morning. And from the moment Adam and Eve were created in the garden in Genesis, God gave them the gift of choice. And they had the choice in the garden if they wanted to continue to follow the Lord or if they wanted to eat the forbidden fruit. So God gave them the power to choose. Which, how does that apply to us? So I was just talking about, you know, we each have free will in all areas of our life. From what coffee I get to what donut you guys choose over there. Everything we all have free will over. And we also get to choose, you know, the big decisions in life that really affect us. Who we marry, where we live, where we work, how we take care of our bodies. The list goes on. So I want to ask you guys a couple of questions. Just say, um, these are just yes or no questions. Would we agree that um, free will applies to every area of our life? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So whether the choice we are making is right or wrong, God still allows us to choose. And as Christians and as followers of as <laughs> as Christians and as followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to choose Jesus each day and with every breath that we take and to honor him. And that includes following God's will here on earth and living that out. So, yes or no? Am I still allowed to do things that are outside of God's will for my life? Yes. So whether the choices we are making each day are right or wrong, God still allows us to choose. God allows us to choose. To, he allows us to choose to do the things that ultimately are harmful to ourselves 
or others. And when I think of that, you know, I think of some obvious things like murder, abuse, theft, getting drunk, having premarital sex. Because we live in such a fallen and broken world, those things are all realities that we have to that we have to live with and we have to deal with. Whether we might not be making those choices ourselves, there are people around us in the world making those choices. And even things, even smaller things like unforgiveness, greed, and pride, those things are still really, really harmful. Um, and not only are those things harmful to ourselves, but they're also harmful to most parties involved when those situations or when those actions take place. But I want you guys to think about this. Those things we were just talking about, what if you guys were to benefit from one of those actions we just talked about? Just take a second and think, because, you know, with premarital sex, um, in the moment, you get pleasure and satisfaction. When you get drunk, you can numb all the hard feelings that you're facing, all the things that you're going through life. You can take the pain away for a little bit. Um, Even things like murder. Yeah, ultimately, if you murder someone, you then no longer have to deal with the person that you just murdered. As silly as, it's, as silly as it seems, if someone is actually contemplating doing those things, those are very real to them. Like, if, if someone is giving you such a hard time in life that you're contemplating murdering them, there must be some very real fear and emotion behind those feelings. And so, does it make it right even if you benefit from one of those things? No, the answer is no. Um, If I was going through a really hard time, Colin and I were going through a hard time and we couldn't pay our mortgage, we couldn't buy dog food, we couldn't even afford groceries throughout the week and we were trying to brainstorm, you know, maybe I should get a second job and I was like, no, you know what, I'm not not gonna get a second job. I'm actually just gonna go to the bank and steal a million dollars. That sounds crazy, right? That sounds crazy. Um, and so, you know, uh, I saw the million dollars and I, th- I look at it and I just see that giant sack of cash or see money loaded onto my credit card and just view it as, oh my gosh, this is my way out. This million dollars is my way out. Well, then I would get arrested because I stole, <laughs> then I, I, I stole a million dollars and the officer, the arresting officers would look at me and tell me that there were other options for me to choose than to steal a million dollars. They would say, you know, I, I understand you're going through, through a hard time, but you know, there, there are food pantries, there's rental assistance, you can move in with a family member, you know, the list goes on of other ways that you can um, pay your bills and afford to live versus theft and, you know, ultimately stealing a million dollars. And not only were there other options, ultimately, I'm going to have to face a consequence for my actions. And more than likely, that would be jail time. And because we are Christians and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we also ultimately would experience conviction as well for the sin that we committed. And God is a really, really good father. I know all of us have countless stories in our life of where God has provided, God has shown breakthrough for us, and he's just been there in um, each moment of our life. And the thing is, is because God is a good father, he wants to protect us from all of those things. And that's why he gave us his word. He gave us his word not to just be like, well, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, not just some massive list of reasons and things that we have to obey, all of the things that he commands us not to do in the Bible are to protect us Mm -hmm. and to protect our hearts. 
God doesn't want us going out and murdering people because that's harmful. He doesn't want us to go steal things because it's not beneficial to anyone in the end. And even down to the things like pride, lust, unforgiveness, ultimately those only dig you down into a deeper hole. And God doesn't like to see us suffer because he's a good father. No good parent likes to see their child suffering. And so how does, the ultimate question here is, you know, how does the gift of free will play into abortion? And before we go into this, I Riley kind of prefaced this a little bit um, before in the beginning, but, you know, this is a really sensitive topic. I have no idea what your guys' um, your own testimonies look like or some of the things that you have been through or some of the things, you know, that your loved ones have been through. But ultimately, I'm not here to change your stance. Um, I'm not here to judge you on your stance. I just want to share where I stand and um, the information that I have um, that I have had. And if you have questions over some of the stuff we go over, oh, once we go over each little section, we're going to have a small time for like Q&A. And I would love to answer all your guys' questions. But I also want to keep moving so we can respect your guys' time as well. But if you have, if we need to move on and you still have a question, please catch myself or Riley afterwards because I don't want to just um, dismiss any of your guys' questions. And, um, you know, like I said, this is a sensitive topic, so if you feel like you might need to step out or for anyone listening on the podcast, if you might need to pause and just, like, take kind of, like, a mental mental breather there, you have, um, obviously, full permission to do that. And let's just be respectful in general. Um, so I want to um, go over just a little bit about what abortion is because I know I actually used to be pro-choice before, ultimately before I said yes to Jesus, but mostly because I wasn't necessarily informed of what abortion actually is and what um, takes place during an abortion. Mm-hmm. And so most people talk about abortion as a whole, of it's just abortion, but there's actually two different types of abortion. There's an elective of abortion, and this is an abortion where the woman chooses to have an abortion, which ultimately can be um, for any reason, whether it's, you know, they're in poverty, whether they don't feel capable of taking care of the child, if they were raped, if they don't like the, even things like if they don't like the gender of the baby, whatever the reason is, an elective abortion happens when a woman um, chooses to end the pregnancy when, when the fetus is still alive in her. And um, a spontaneous abortion, this is sometimes known as a therapeutic abortion, and this is more so on the medical side. So this refers to a spontaneous life of a fetus. So this is stuff um, like, a, like, like a miscarriage that would be referred to, medically speaking, as a spontaneous or therapeutic abortion. And this is, you know, the spontaneous loss of a fetus inside your uterus um, before the 20th week of pregnancy. And so... What's the difference there? So an elective abortion, you know, the mother can choose to end the life of her child for any reason. And during the spontaneous abortion, the life of the child has already been taken. So during the spontaneous abortion, the child, um, the fetus inside your womb is already dead and it has to be removed so the woman doesn't go into sepsis. And, you know, that leads to its own um, own extent of medical problems. So. Mm-hmm. And kind of in summer, you know, natural death of a fetus does not equal intentional killing. Um, And so I just want to spend a little bit more time kind of diving into um, the types of abortions and how they're performed. 
because I know personally I've talked to a lot of women who have actually had abortions mm-hmm. and now are pro-life because um, you know if if you're in the spot of contemplating having an abortion that's a very very vulnerable spot to be in mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people are swayed one way or the other because they don't necessarily understand what actually takes place um, during an abortion. Mm-hmm. So like I said, this, is, um, this isn't like too graphic. I'm just kind of going through just some medical definitions here. And so during the first trimester, the first trimester is um, from con- the moment of conception to 12 weeks. And there's two different types of abortions that can happen. There is an abortion pill, which is ultimately just a chemical abortion. It's a non-surgical form of abortion, which the woman will take a series of pills to end the life of the fetus. And then the other one for a first trimester abortion is a suction DNC. This is dilation and curettage. And this happens when um, a suction catheter is inserted into the mother's uterus to extract her preborn child. And so tools, tools are then um, used to just remove mm. any part of the child that would be left in there. So sepsis would not occur. Mm. And for the second trimester, second trimester is 13 to 26 weeks. And so this is um, pretty much the only one that's performed in the second trimester is a DNA abortion. This is a dilation and evacuation abortion, which is basically... Um, another surgical procedure where the abortionist first dilates the cervix similar to you know when your cervix would dilate when you are in labor and then uses instruments to extract the baby into this member in the womb and then fully extract it so sepsis doesn't occur sepsis is kind of a reoccurring thing Mm -hmm. because you know if you have something that is dead inside of you if you don't remove it it's going to cause a whole lot of medical problems and ultimately lead to the death of the mother Mm -hmm. and so Lastly, the um, third trimester, this is 27 weeks to full term. And the only types of abortion that are done in the third trimester are um, injection and induction. And so basically what happens is um, at 27 plus weeks, if someone decides for whatever reason um, that they want to have an abortion, and ultimately this could be performed a little bit further in like the the general gestation period if you know maybe your baby is larger or it's in like the higher percentile in size um, but the abortionist will um, kill the fetus by injecting a substance into their heart that causes car- cardiac arrest and then ultimately induce the mother into labor to give born to give birth to um, her stillborn child so that is just a little bit of um, what takes place during abortion I know that stuff's pretty heavy um, to think about. And I know one of the things that really opened my eye for me, Live Action is a great nonprofit, um, a pro-life organization that um, one of their main focuses is kind of stuff like this, empowering um, pro-life people to have information. They have a lot of really good resources on Mm -hmm. um, their website. And the thing that really kicked the switch for me to make me be pro-life was Watching a video, watching videos of how each of these um, procedures are done. Obviously, that is a very, very um, hard video to watch, mm-hmm. but it's also very informative. Yeah. So if you guys have, um, you know, if some of that doesn't make sense, you know, ultimately I am not a medical professional. That that is just kind of summaries of what what those procedures are. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you guys have any questions about what that's what that might look like or um, 
any questions of like what we've gone over so far. I know it's just kind of been like a lot of facts so far, not necessarily. Um, I have, I have, anyone else have a question before I say something? Um, so I know a huge um, pro-choice argument right now is what about the women that have miscarriages? <laughs> Will they be allowed to safely pass their baby mm-hmm. um, without those abortion pills that are needed to help the women who have miscarried like do that safely? And so people think that the overturning of Roe versus Wade equals women being in danger. Is that true? It is not true. Um, there is no le- there is no legislation that has been passed since Roe v. Wade has been overturned um, that prevents treatment of miscarriages or topic pregnancies. And we're also going to go into that as well of like um, what what the difference is between abortion and you know ectopic pregnancies mm-hmm. and miscarriages. Yeah, it's good. Do you guys have any other questions before I keep going? So I'm going to kind of continue into. Um, the medical awareness side. I feel like um, right now, because abortion is such a passionate topic, regardless of what side you are, you're on, you know, ultimately, I think we can find a lot of common ground with whether you're in the pro-choice community or you're in the pro-life community or you don't identify with either. <laughs> and so ultimately, we all want children to be healthy. If they're alive, we want them to be healthy. We want them to be cared for. We want them to be nourished. We want women to have control over their bodies. We want um, people to be taken care of. We want reformation, you know, in the foster care system. There's a lot of, there's a lot more similarities between each side than you guys mm-hmm. would actually, um, that you guys would actually be kind of surprised of. So kind of going off of what um, the question Riley asked is, you know, what if the life, the mother, life of the mother is ultimately in danger? Mm-hmm. Is abortion justified then? Um, so first, Abortion isn't medically necessary to save a woman's life. Um, I'm going to read just a short passage from the Dublin Declaration, which is just basically, um, it just has a bunch of signatures from pediatricians, midwives, other medical professionals that um, just states the stance um, of what they believe. And it just says, as experienced practitioners and researchers in gynecology, we believe that the direct abortion, which this would be the elective abortion, um, the purposeful destruction of the unborn child is not medically necessary to save the life of a woman. We uphold that there is a fundamental difference between elective abortion and necessary medical treatments that are carried out to save the life of the mother, even if such treatment results in the life of her unborn child. So basically, in other words, what that short passage is saying is when a life-threatening condition arises, the solution is not to just directly kill the fetus automatically when something comes up, but it's to provide treatment to the woman's medical situation and ultimately the baby as well. It's to work at saving both lives, not just one. Um, And so... How do we address the, mo- the mother's medical needs? That's a real question because, you know, there are ultimately a lot of these issues come back all the way to the start of man in the mm. garden. We wouldn't be having these problems if heaven was fully here and we didn't live in a fallen and broken world. So because we do, that obviously puts us in some really hard situations. Hmm. And so there's some cases when a woman's health crisis might result in um, the premature delivery of the child. And so these interventions are different 
from elective abortions. The medical providers would provide every life-saving measure for both parents. That's, that's the main difference here is we're not just focusing on the mother and abandoning the child. We're focusing on both. Mm. That's, that's the key here is we're focusing on saving both lives. And so what's the difference? Saving both lives. Um, and so, you know, abortion targets the baby's body to kill the child. That's, that's, the only, that's the only outcome of an abortion, is to kill the life of the child. Uh, you know if, you're, if an abortion is successful, whether the baby survives or not. The baby survives, it wasn't, it wasn't successful. Opposed to addressing the medical condition and trying to save both lives. Um, and so, you know, if, unfortunately, if the child is under the age of viability, which is approximately... 24 weeks, so there's been some babies who have survived earlier. Um, I think even, even down to, I think, like 21 or 22 weeks. I'm not exactly... Um, Itty-bitty guys. Yeah they're, yeah, they're so little. Some babies don't even, like, weigh a pound and yeah. they still survive, which yeah. is crazy to think about because, like, my water probably weighs, like, a pound, which, yeah. is, <laughs> which is insane. Which just shows that we have an amazing... Right now in our, in our history, yeah. we have, like, an amazing medical... Yeah, we do. Um, like, just like a gift of people that are medically yes. intelligent to help us with babies that are small and tiny that need help. Like yes. That. The, I've, I have a couple friends who are NICU nurses and some of the stuff that they do to save these, um, these premature babies is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if they are below the age of viability, sometimes, you know, God comes through and they really do survive, but sometimes they might not, which is mm-hmm. ultimately because we are Christians, because we live in a fallen and broken world, and that's why we experience loss like this. Mm-hmm. But it's important to realize that this isn't an abortion. Abortion is the direct and intentional killing of the preborn child. That mm-hmm. we can't we can't get this twisted. Especially, um, I know a lot of a lot of um, friends friends and friends and family who are pro-choice and that's the main thing that gets twisted here of what abortion actually is abortion Mm -hmm. is intentional okay caring for the mother that is intentionally seeking to care for both lives Mm -hmm. and so that kind of leads us into addressing um miscarriage as well and so um definition definition wise speaking um a miscarriage is the spontaneous loss of a fetus before the 20th week of pregnancy. So that's a little bit under the age of viability. And so pregnancy losses after the 20th week are technically called um, stillbirths. Mm. And so miscarriage is a naturally occurring event, unlike medical or surgical abortions. And so what's the difference between having an abortion, an elective abortion, and a miscarriage? An abortion, ends the life of a fetus. It's kind of like the reoccurring here theme mm-hmm. here is abortion only ends the life of the fetus. While in a miscarriage, the fetus is already dead. There wasn't anything that you personally did to kill mm-hmm. that child. The, it, it just happened naturally. And so in many miscarriages, if the baby doesn't pass naturally, in most cases, um, if you're further along in pregnancy, the baby might not pass um, naturally. Whereas if you know you're only five, six, seven, eight weeks, you might not even realize that you had a miscarriage. You might mm-hmm. even mistake it as, um, as your period. Right. 
And so, um, like I said, I'm not a medical professional. I just want to make this very clear, not a medical professional. I'm just strictly speaking from um, other women's testimonies that I've heard and just some of the own research that I have, I have done. But if the baby doesn't pass naturally, um, it, it has to be removed so sepsis doesn't occur. Mm-hmm. And the difference between procedures like that is in the miscarriage, the fetus is already dead in your room. That fetus is no longer alive and it has to be removed. During an abortion, before the abortion even takes place, as you're sitting there waiting for it to happen, that baby is still alive and it still has a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, still go, kind of going on in the, the key differences there. And briefly, um, just addressing ectopic pregnancies, um, for a long time, I didn't even know what an ectopic pregnancy was. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was... Um, it's really, it's really windy out there all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but I didn't even know what an eptopic pregnancy was until I actually found out that my mom had an eptopic pregnancy before I did. Mm. And so this is, a, um, this is when um, the fetus actually develops outside of your uterus. Most nine times out of ten, this is in your fallopian tubes. And um, the, 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 the baby can't survive anywhere except your uterus because, you know, your uterus is where your placenta is, where the umbil- um, umbilical cord is, and where it's getting all of its nutrients and everything. And so elective abortions are done intrauterine, which is inside your uterus, whereas ectopic pregnancy occurs outside of the uterus. So mm-hmm. in terms of, like, abortion abortion speaking, ectopic pregnancies aren't even, in, aren't even done inside of your uterus. What happens is the doctors have to go in and nine times out of ten um they either have to remove the baby out of your fallopian tube or remove whatever side of the fallopian tube um the baby is on in general so what happened to my mom was is her fallopian tube actually bursted and so she had to be rushed to the emergency room where they had to remove that side of her fallopian tube yeah a lot of women that have ectopic pregnancies i've noticed don't share it with anyone because it because people's minds automatically go to abortion. They have yeah. abortion. Yeah. And so they kind of just keep it to themselves, which yeah. is why we never really hear about it. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, I think ultimately no matter where you stand, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, like the answer is always compassion. Yeah. Like sure. I've talked to so many women who have had abortions, miscarriages, even my, mo- even my own mom. And can you imagine, like, if I was carrying a child, and let's say, you know, just hypothetically, I was 15 weeks along, and I had a miscarriage. Can you imagine how it would feel if someone, if you went up to someone and, and just said things along the lines of, like, oh, well, at least you were only 15 weeks along, or, yeah. oh, uh, uh, well, you know, it, it's just a medical abortion, you know? It, those things happen all the time. Yeah. You know how diminishing and heartbreaking that would be for some women? The answer is always... Mm-hmm. is always compassion. Yeah. And so um, I just have one more, a couple quick things to just tie up the medical side, and then um, we can do like a quick Q&A, or if you guys have um, anything that you guys have heard um, that you guys might have questions over. And so just staying on the topic of um, compassion is so a lot of um, people I have talked with um, bring up disabilities and terminal diagnosis, which are a very real thing. This is kind of another reoccurring thing because we live in a broken world. And I also want to say as well is because I'm speaking to a Christ-following group, I can I typically bring up things like living in a broken world. Mm-hmm. But when I know I'm talking to someone who is pro-choice, I, I don't really bring up God a lot because 
it just comes in one ear and out the other because they, they're not held to the same um, morality as what we are as Christians because we're following God's word. For sure. I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Um, but regardless of if someone has a disability or a terminal diagnosis, life is always the answer. And so, like I said, you know, because we live in a fallen world, um, it is a reality that we do have, that we do experience people born with disabilities and complications after birth, but it doesn't make their life any less valuable. And in the event of a fatal di- diagnosis, 50% of them are wrong. Mm. Can you believe that? That's a flip of a coin. It's literally a coin toss. That's really crazy to think about. And the compassionate answer isn't to dismember the fetus where they feel every little bit of pain but it's to carry the child to term and then to give them care, hospice care, that makes them comfortable and pain-free until they pass natu- naturally where they can pass with dignity. Mm. Pass with dignity. So there's dismembering and then natural passing. Yeah. There's only one compassionate answer there. And um, yeah, so do you guys have any questions over the medical side of stuff? I know that was kind of... Um, a lot of information, maybe anything that you guys have experienced or conversations that um, you guys have had with people before? If not, that's okay. We can just keep trucking along, but I don't really, I don't want to overload you. I don't want to like <laughs> overload your guys' brains with information. I, I, I think it's really valuable to know like the kinds of abortions and like what yeah. exactly happens because people don't, people don't talk about that. They don't. They just say abortion. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. this big concept of like when someone says abortion, I think of like there was a baby and now there's not. But yeah. I don't, you don't always have like the, the mental picture of like what's actually happening. For sure. Yeah. Which I think is really valuable. Yeah, and you'll never find like those videos that you said changed your mind about abortion. You'll never find that on Planned Parenthood's website. They're just like labeled as abortion. Um, and they don't like, and so it's just like very interesting that what an abortion is is kind of hidden from the public eye mm. because of how terrible it is. Like, yeah, if they actually saw a video of um, like a little like vacuum going up into a, a woman and sucking a baby out, I'm pretty sure most people would be that's, pro-life. Mm-hmm. You that's know? the video that changed it for me yeah. to actually watch and see the baby be removed like yeah. piece by piece. And it's also amazing to look into how many abortion doctors, doctors who have performed abortion have changed their minds simply yeah. after doing this day after day. They're mm-hmm. like, how can this be good? You yeah. know? It's very interesting. Very um, interesting. I think it's also important to note as well that right now there's a lot of confusion, especially, that's why I spent so much time on the medical side. The other two topics I want to share about are, are relatively quick compared to that. Mm-hmm. But right now there's so much misinformation between both sides of the community on the medical aspect of stuff because a lot of people right now believe that, like we were talking about, tubal, um, tubal and optic pregnancies and miscarriages are just the same thing as elective abortion where it's not and even on Planned Parenthood's mm-hmm. website they note that ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages are different just, yeah. so it's it's very interesting that sometimes um people who have different different beliefs than what I do just loop it all into the same thing that's why I wanted to empower you guys um with this information mm-hmm. but I want to kind of keep moving along. The next two topics I have um, definitely are still a little heavy, but um, they're, not, they're not necessarily as wrong or as long. Um, so, you know, I feel like the other thing that um, most pro-life people hear about most is what about um, cases of rape? Mm. And so, um, like I said, 
another sensitive topic. So I don't know what any of you guys have gone through. So if you feel like you need to step out, please, um, please, you're more than welcome to do that. And so before we even go into the topic of abortion, it's important to realize like rape in and of itself is a horrific injustice that is committed against any man or woman. Mm. And it's important to understand first that he or she needs help and support from their community. Above anything else, they they need help. They need support. They need healing. Mm. And so healing from rape. And so it's important to realize that abortion doesn't actually heal from rape. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can heal from rape is ultimately love, support, counseling. And for us as Christians is is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit can heal the trauma of rape. Abortion will never ultimately erase the trauma that uh, um the trauma or the violence that the woman has suffered. It is only going to compound the trauma. The trauma of abortion is compounded onto the trauma of rape and not only it only it only further harms the woman physically and emotionally and abortion certainly harms the future child um whether it's successful or unsuccessful that's good and so i want to share a couple testimonies and so this is a testimony from someone um who who was raped and had an abortion and so it says after i was raped i felt a lot of fear there was shame that i felt because of what had happened to me but after having the abortion, the fear and shame only grew more, and it ultimately turned to guilt. I didn't choose to have sex. Someone else chose to rape me, but I did have the choice in having an abortion. I made the choice to kill my child. I had to go to bed every night knowing that I killed my child and that my child was no longer, my life was no longer about the rape anymore. The rape didn't even matter to me at this point because I had to live with the facts knowing that I killed my child. It wasn't the rapist child, it was my child. And so that that testimony really hit me. And so I also want to share the other side of this, the, the side of um, healing. And so this is a testimony from, from a woman named Jennifer who was also um, another survivor of rape. And so she says that I was told if I would abort my child, I could forget and move on. There's no forgetting. Um, no woman who has been raped will ever forget what happened to her. And then people had tell, told her, if you had just had an abortion, um, you wouldn't have this reminder hanging over your head every day. And then, you know, she responded, is my son, is my son a reminder? Yes. Yes, he is a reminder. But he's not a reminder of the rape. He is a reminder that women can rise above their circumstances, that love is stronger than hate, and that our worth as human beings is not determined of how we were conceived. And mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting hearing um, the, two, the two outcomes of how those women feel versus um, the outcome of having an abortion and then outcome of um, keeping mm-hmm. the child. And so ultimately... Rapists need to be held to the full extent of the law. I think that's something, regardless of what side um, you are on, um, that's something we can agree on. And I think we also can agree that in many cases, our laws need to desperately be improved for even outside areas of rape. Many, much of our legislation needs to be improved. And the thing is, is that even in states that allow um, the death penalty for crime, the crime of rape and sexual assault doesn't actually carry the death penalty. So to put the child to death is to give the rapist more rights than the innocent life of the child. Thank you guys for coming. Please drive safe. (laughs) 
Um, and so, you know, why should innocent children receive the death penalty mm. for the crimes of their guilty father? Yeah. It's, it's backwards. And so um, just consider this testimony of a woman named Pam who was actually conceived in rape. My, bio, my, bio, my biological father is a rapist. I don't even know my ethnicity. But I'm still a human being. I still have value. And my life is not worth any less than yours simply because of the way I was conceived. And I don't de- believe that I deserve the death penalty because of the crimes of my biological father. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I know that was um, a heavy topic. But what stands out like between those, like, those two testimonies for you guys? Like, what do you guys see like the difference? I think it's so valuable to hear from someone who was conceived by rape because I think that's something that we don't even think about what that would be like. Yep. And I think a lot of most all pro-choice people are alive. There's not ever I like just to hear the voice of someone that said like yes, my father's a rapist, my I was conceived because of rape, but that doesn't mean that my life is less it less mm-hmm. valuable. I'm glad that I'm here that yeah. my mom didn't choose abortion. I've that's never so heard valuable. Like, it said that way with like like abortion is like giving is like the death penalty like like how you said it it's like giving the rapist more rights than like the child yeah 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 and that's exactly what we do when we say okay for the case of rape Mm -hmm. abortion's okay even like I think of that 12 year old girl that like it's all over the news right now the 12 year old girl that was raped and she is having a she's she chose to have an abortion, but she had to like go to a different state to have an abortion, and everyone is just like you know freaking out because mm-hmm. regardless of side, yeah, yeah, they're like, how could a twelve year old be required to give birth? Well, again, it doesn't. It's like her baby, even though it was conceived because someone raped her, which is terrible. Like that baby shouldn't die because of the evil that was done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also I'm not, I'm not really talking too much um about like the foster care system and like mm-hmm. the process of adoption, but it's also important to know that um people don't have to keep the child as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. And that foster care and adoption is mm-hmm. a question. And like I said, I'm not really going into that, but if you guys have any questions like on topics that we're not covering, please let me know. And so we're kind of running like a little short on time, so I just want to go ahead and dive into um the last topic that I'm sharing. And it's kind of like um I guess the found the founding point of view for anyone who is um pro-choice and it's my body my choice mm. which is correct ultimately right. like ultimately the the argument of my body my choice is correct women have a right to bodily autonomy and those rights need to be protected mm. but bodily rights are especially important when a woman is pregnant because there's more than one body involved right. and so the thing about bodily rights and just rights in general is it's not a right if it only applies to me Mm -hmm. so if you know I think that only you know my rights apply to me and they don't apply to Riley that's not a right because it doesn't apply to all parties Mm -hmm. and so you know some people think that um well isn't the child in the womb part of the woman's body right that's that's a valid question you know because Mm -hmm. it's still in the baby is inside of the woman's body and inside her uterus but if this were true, if it was truly part of the woman's body, one, it probably wouldn't leave the woman's body. And second, um, the woman would have two functioning hearts, two functioning brains, four functioning arms, 20 fingers, and, you know, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. When ultimately, she still only has control of her body parts, right? right. And so, 
what happens when those rights conflict? That's a that's another like it's a genuine question of like okay what what happens? And so you know a common question is if the unborn have the same rights as the born, the people who are already alive, what happens? And so for example, you know if the preborn have the right to life, but the woman has personal liberty over her body and over her choices, but can she exercise those rights? Does that allow for an abortion? And so the right to liberty doesn't give us a license to harm other human Mm -hmm. beings. Ultimately, I have a choice um, of personal liberty. But that doesn't mean if me and Riley get into a bad argument, Mm -hmm. I can can just go fight her and beat her up and cause a bunch of bodily harm to her. That that is nowhere okay in our legislation here. so it's it's the same it's the same concept with an abortion you know you even though you do have the personal right to liberty and choice that choice doesn't give you the right to harm other people Hmm. and so i think it's also important important to talk about dependency because a lot of um people i've talked with say you know well you know what the child is still part of the mother's body because the child is fully dependent on the mother Hmm. which is true you know ultimately if the mother doesn't take care of her body and herself or does drugs or does alcohol while she is pregnant, that's going to affect the life of the baby 100%. But with dependency, it's backwards to say that children in the womb don't have a right to life because they're dependent on the mother's body. Once the baby is born, an infant is still 100% dependent on the bodies of others to survive. Mm. Once the baby's born, you take them home from the hospital, everything's all, you know, you're not pregnant anymore. You can't just put the baby down, leave him in a crib for a week, yeah. and then expect to come back with a live, flourishing child. That, that's silly to think like that. Dependency doesn't eliminate humanity. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're, we, were, we all still have humanity regardless of our, of our levels of dependency. Mm-hmm. And same thing goes with people with, um, with disabilities as well, whether it is a physical or intellectual disability. For sure. Um, and so what's the role of the mother and father here? And so mothers and fathers, they have a natural and legal obligation to provide for their child once they're born, mm-hmm. um, both parents or ultimately their guardians, you know, if it isn't their biological, their, their birth mother and father are still responsible to feed, house, and, you know, otherwise not neglect their child. And if they can't care for the child, they're not allowed to murder their child. Right. You, if, um, if you are, like I was talking about earlier, like the million dollar analogy, if I'm short on money and I don't have a way to feed my child, I, I can't just be like, okay, well, you had a good two years. This mm-hmm. is it. That's crazy. It's crazy mm-hmm. to think it like that. Even just saying that out loud is like, yeah. ugh, like why, why would someone think like that, you know? And so since they have this obligation after birth, they have the same obligation before birth. Um, and so just, uh, one last thought that I always think is personally interesting to me, um, just think about the phrase, my body, my choice, right? Ultimately it is, it is a correct phrase, but the phrase that, or the part that gets left out is that there's a second body involved. What do you think this phrase sends to men, like to the biological father? Well, it's her body, her choice. So ultimately I don't need to take responsibility of fatherhood or marriage because it's her body, her choice, mm. her problem. Like, isn't, doesn't that send such a horrible message to men and ultimately to women as well? Um, so that's just kind of just, um, just a little bit of an ending thought of just, you know, that, 
that point in general. But now that I've shared um, a more informative approach, I know that I've talked a little bit about, you know, God in a fallen world and all that stuff. But since we are in like a Bible study Christian setting, it's also really valuable to uh, take a look at what God has to say about this. And so Riley is going to take it over. And then after that, we'll have a little short time of Q&A at the end. Okay. You guys doing okay? Yeah. You're like... Oh, I, I can't wait to share this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll upload it today so you can share it to all your friends. Awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Shauna, for sharing all that. Yeah. Literally, Shauna put in so much work and knows so much about abortion, has taught me so much about it. Um, so one thing that I've been really thinking about is that whole um, how sometimes people don't, when we explain why we are pro-life, at least for me, People are like, well, it's because you're a Christian. That's why you believe yeah. that. Yeah. And first of all, do not be ashamed that that is the reason you believe in pro-life is because you're a Christian. As Christians, our view on Christ should impact every single thing in our life, right? Yep. So everything we look at, everything we think about, everything we do is impacted because of Christ, and we do not, we are not ashamed of that. And so if someone says, you're pro-life because you... Cause you're a Christian. Well, yeah, because God is my... Jesus is my Savior. God is my everything. Why wouldn't it impact my my view on abortion. And so um, my goal here is to bring a biblical perspective into this issue because if you call yourself a Christ follower, the Bible is your foundation, right? The Bible is the standard of truth. And the Bible never says the word abortion. It never says anything close to abortion, but it does give us many things that show us that abortion is wrong Um, because the Bible has everything we need for life and godliness. And so we can trust that it has everything we need to to fight against um, yep. abortion in our day and age. Um, so yeah, again, the Bible doesn't say anything about abortion, but it says plenty about human life. Um, so I have a few points here that I'm just going to run through about biblically why abortion is wrong. Um, and first, uh, the first reason why all Christians should believe that abortion is wrong, wrong is because of the Imago Dei. Uh, do you guys know what that is? Image of God. Yeah. Image of God. It's the doctrine of the image of God. So what is, like, what does that, why is that the foundation of our faith? Like, why is that one of the core doctrines of our faith? What is that? It's like, like, we were created, like, in the image of God, and mm-hmm. that, like, determines so much about, like, like the characteristics we have as humans, like, yes. as people, and, um, like, who we are. Like, yeah. that makes us who we are. Huh. That we are made in the image. Yes. Yeah. In Genesis 1, this is where that doctrine is established. And it's the core, one of the core doctrines of Christianity is that all human beings are made in the image of God. So this is found in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And, it, and basically God says, let us make man in our image. Um, so it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all making man in their image, which means each one of us have the fingerprints of God all over us. Mm. Now we sin and we taint that image Right, So we're, it's not the perfect image of God that we're bearing, but we're still bearing the image of God. And the image of God is what gives us value, worth, and dignity and sets us apart from any other part, in, um, any other part of God's creation. That's why we're more important than animals. That's why we're more important than the environment because we are human beings and we have, we're just, our value is much more higher than a cat. Sorry. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So that means that every human being you look at, 
the ones that you pass in the grocery store, every human being, no matter where they live, who they are, what family they come from, their skin color, their ethnicity, whether they're in a nice part of town or a bad part of town, whether they're behind prison bar cells or across the world, whether they were born with two arms and two legs or one arm and one leg, maybe they're born with a disability, um, whether they were born into a good family or a bad family, whether they were conceived on purpose or by accident, whether they live in a big house or a small house or inside a womb, that baby, that human being has dignity, worth, and value because they were made by God. Mm-hmm. And so who are we to look at God and say, I know you created this. I know that you are the God of all things, that you create mountains, that you create the sky, that you can create things with just your breath. But I see this baby and I don't really want it because it was conceived in this way or because I'm, wow. I'm scared I'm going to lose my life or I just don't want it to interfere my life and I'm going to kill it. Like, who are we to look at the God of the universe and ever even think that, right? And who are we to allow laws to pass that would allow other people to say that too? Um, And so that is why Christians should be pro-life. I get really confused when Christians are pro-choice because I firmly believe that it's really hard to be a Christian and be fully devoted to God and be pro-choice. Um, and he loves us. That's why he creates us. Psalm 139 gives us this beautiful picture um, of how God forms us and knits us together in the womb. Um, David in that psalm says, Lord, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your hands have formed me. You knit me together in my mm. mother's womb. So that's this picture of God literally like weaving us together, creating our fingers, our heart, our lungs forming our faces to look how that he wants us to look. And that's for every single baby. And that psalm was written far before any, um, like any ultrasound was made or anything or any like medical knowledge that we have about pregnancy now. Mm, So even David knew that there was value to a baby long before we even could see the heartbeat for ourselves. Um, Mm. So God gave that life. He put his fingerprints on it. Um, And then as Christians, we accept that doctrine that we're created in the image of God. And we know that we have value and dignity and we know that we're supposed to stand for those who are the voiceless. Um, so yeah, the Imago Dei, that is the number one reason that we should be um, pro, pro-life. pro um, Number two is that God is sovereign. Um, so what, is, what does sovereignty mean? When we say God is sovereign, what does that mean? That he's like in control, he's over mm-hmm. all. Yeah, he is intricately in control of all things. He knows how many blades of grass are outside and he's in control of how they grow. He knows how many birds there are. He knows how many clouds will appear in the sky today. Um, He knows every single name of every person that has ever lived on this earth. Um, And so who are we to think that he doesn't, he's not in control of the babies that are being conceived, whether they were being conceived on accident, on purpose, um, by rape. No, like he knows all things. Nothing slips past him and he's a good God. He can take things that are evil and he can make them beautiful, right? He's a God that takes beauty from ashes. Um, Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Um, So by saying God is sovereign, we are saying, it doesn't matter what evil is in this world. I know my God will prevail. I know my God will get the glory. And so I trust him even when it doesn't make sense, right? Why does this 12-year-old girl, why did she get raped? I don't know. I don't know why she got raped. I don't know why this world is so evil, but I do know that my God is good and that he can take a broken and and dark situation. He can make it beautiful. Not saying that that situation wasn't evil, but I'm saying that my God is powerful. Um, And then some other verses for you guys to look at would be Romans 8, 28. 
God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Colossians 1, 16 through 17, which basically just says, like, God is the creator of all things. He knows all things. He knows all people. Um, so, yeah, um, that kind of gives us, um, it gives me peace knowing that I am, when I say I'm pro-life, even in the case of rape, I know that I am in the right place because my God is sovereign. Yeah. Um, and so the Bible also never gives, um, the Bible never encourages us to sin in order to make other sin go away, right? A common argument right now is like, um, well, if God gives us the free will, we can choose to do whatever we want. So I can choose to have an abortion. If like I was raped, I can choose to have an abortion. Well, like God never says, okay, an evil has been done against you. So go do evil. Mm, right. That is like wow. number one of Christianity. Like, no turn. Like we, we love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. So why would I, why would I kill? Why would I allow some baby to die because wow. of the evil that has been done against me? And so first Peter two sixteen says, live as people who are free, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil, but live as servants yeah. of God. And then first wow. Peter three, nine says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repeal, repay evil with blessing because you were wow. called to do so. Um, and first Thessalonians five fifteen says, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do that, which is good of one another and for all people. And my favorite, my favorite verse is John is Genesis 50, 20. And this is when Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, finally comes face to face with his brothers. Literally 30 years later, he's been through prison. He's almost died. He's been, he's been cast wow. away. He's been left in a pit. He's, he's been through so much. And he looks at them and he says, what you intended for evil God intended for good and so we can look into the face of evil and to say you intended this to be evil you intended this to be wrong but my God intends for it to be good and that's the God that we serve right um and so I served I served at Portland Promise Center which is in Louisville Kentucky my boss um she had grown up in Portland Portland is like the the ghetto of Louisville, um, and I worked alongside of a lot of these um, people that had really hard stories, and her story was that she was raped three times, got pregnant all three of those times, chose to have an abortion three times, became a believer years later, and now looks back on that with deep regret and remorse, and so I think I, that, that has always been branded into my mind of like, oh wow, so like you said, rape, uh, rape is not healed by abortion, um, the only thing that can heal abortion is by trusting that God is good in it, um, that he can take it and he can take something evil and dark and make it good to his glory. Um, and now she uses her story to help other women, um, and helped a lot of girls there that did get pregnant, um, when they were young, um, whether it was from their boyfriend or from, um, from sexual abuse, help them walk through how to carry that baby to term. And I got to see that firsthand, which was really powerful. Um, so yeah, and also number three, the core of being a Christian is standing and defended for the voiceless. Right, God from the Old Testament has always commanded his people to care for the fatherless, for the widow, for the foreigner, for the sojourner, the one that just kind of wanders, doesn't have a home, mm-hmm. um, for the voiceless. And so um, who would you think that like that doesn't apply to us today? Um, that these babies who are literally voiceless, as Christians, God is telling us, step up, stand up for those who are voiceless. Um, that's the heart of our God. God created them. Um, he wants them to live. He wants them to have life. Um, yeah. So why do, you, why do you guys think God is so serious about us loving those who are small, unseen, or overlooked? The question came out of nowhere. No, you're good. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. Can you say it one more time? Yeah, why is God so serious about us loving those who are small, unseen, and hurting? Or, yeah, hurting. Small, unseen, and hurting. I mean, who 
yeah Mm. yeah Yeah, Yeah. I was gonna say I think it's one of those things it's like it can easily be slipped under the table for sure easily just been like oh we've we've got some bigger issues at Mm. hand like ah you know what I've got some really other pressing things we need to we need to advocate for and we need to take care of and that's not God's heart. Yeah. God's heart is caring for every single issue and mm-hmm. every single person. For sure. Yeah, that is, that is the heart of our God, and he wants us to have his heart, and that should be our heart too. Um, and then my last point is that that whole my body, my choice um, doesn't work for Christians because it's not our body, right? Um, 1 yeah. Corinthians 6.20 says, you Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit wow. who is in you, whom yep. you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys know the context of that verse? Like, why why was that verse written in that section? Do you guys remember? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a section about how we shouldn't have premarital sex. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, don't use your body and join it with a, a prostitute or join it with someone who isn't your husband or wife because that's not what God has for you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the context of that is within... Um, like abstaining from sex but we can use the principle of that verse that truth that our body is not our own and apply it to the to the case of abortion because for us as christians we know that our body belongs to god yeah. god is the creator he gets to decide how what what works with it um so it's not really our body it's it, it's first and foremost the temple of the holy spirit mm. um so yeah those are just four points and there are so many more um yeah yeah but you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's important, like, when, when Riley and I were meeting and preparing for this, like, we, we tried to focus on specifically, like, what I've talked about is, like, the three slash four, like, main, like, arguments that always come up. There are thou I mean, there's hundreds, thousands yeah. of small issues that anyone, like, anyone can make an argument against, but these were the ones that, like, I know mm-hmm. that personally, like, as I, um... I post a lot of just pro-life stuff um, on my on my social media, and th- these arguments are the ones that I typically encounter the most. Yeah. And so I know for a long time for me, mm. I knew I was pro-life. I knew deep down, especially like because I was a Christian. Ultimately, I knew I was pro-life because mm. I believe that's that's where God's heart is. But when people would ask me questions about it, I was like, uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, well, I know I know I'm pro-life. But I don't know. No, I don't know how exactly to articulate right. that <laughs> to someone who's not a Christian. Right. Yeah. yeah that especially yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, which is why it's like really important to like have the foundation of what we believe and why we believe it, and yeah. then dig deeper into like, okay, why is this like ethically wrong too? Which yes. I think is what you yeah. did really well. Um, so yeah, so people that aren't Christians will look at those four arguments, and it'll go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them. They God hasn't radically changed their life they haven't been saved by the blood of christ and and we pray that they would have their eyes open to those things um but those who follow christ over all things i think should be pro-choice i was listening to a podcast and pro-life oh (laughs) those who follow life those who follow christ should be pro-life and not pro-choice um so yeah and um i know it's like so it's so not black and white um but i i really struggle when people who are Christians are pro-choice because I just do not understand it Um, because I really believe that our God is pro-life, so why wouldn't we be pro-life? So, yeah, um, now we're going to move into a time of Q&A, but do you guys have any questions over just, like, 
the biblical side of all that. I know I kind of went through it fast. It was really good. Yeah, that rapid fire. I was like, yeah, TED Talk worthy. Yes, that's so good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm really excited. Yeah, I really enjoyed like you listening, like talking out like the like the biblical perspective on it. Sometimes I can focus. I know, like for myself, just like the the community I'm surrounded by in my uh like in my personal life, I feel mm-hmm. like is very radically different than where I so where I stand yeah, yeah. in my own beliefs. It's refreshing to like just to remember and to look back on like okay at, mm. at its core, this is why I'm pro life for sure. All the other like yes, I'm pro life for all the other reasons like we talked about as well. But at at my core. Mm. I am pro-life because I, I follow Jesus. For sure. Yeah, and, and like, that be- doesn't make it invalid. It doesn't. Of what, no. like, like I'm pro-life because I follow Jesus. From the world's perspective, they'll be like, that is not a good... Oh, the countdown. The world will say, like, that that's invalid. Yeah. But we know the truth. We know that one day we're going to stand before God, and those people are going to stand before God, and then they're going to realize, oh, that was a valid... Like, yeah. that is the most important thing. Yeah. Any other questions or comments on biblical side, or just yeah in general? Yeah. Yeah. Any any questions in general? No. I feel like you need to re-listen to this. Oh, just good. I information to get. I like for me about I I don't really know exactly when it was, but I just really felt like God like speak to me. Probably I don't know. Delaney knows my life better than anyone. She can probably tell you, but I don't know. Probably sometime around like two years ago, when I really, um, really started becoming like a pro life advocate. Like I really felt the Lord like just convict my convict mm-hmm. my personal heart. He's like, thank you so much for being pro life. Like, thank you so much for doing this. Mm-hmm. But do you know what you're talking about? Like, do you really mm-hmm. know what you're talking about? And just like for me, like that personal conviction of like. I need to understand this better mm-hmm. so I can actually like so I can actually defend the unborn and ultimately even if I'm not talking to um even if I'm not talking to someone who has the same religious beliefs as I do ultimately defend yeah, my god for sure um and I think it's also important to know in in my personal life nine times out of ten the people the people I'm having like conversations with uh, regarding the topic of um abortion do we don't have like the same beliefs even even like even christians like i don't i've encountered people that i don't necessarily have the same beliefs or we might have some Mm -hmm. of the same beliefs and just different parts clash is if i delaney if i were to look at you and i'm a vegetarian and i was like dude you need to stop eating blts this is it like you can't do that dude those are so bad for you why would you even eat something like that it <laughs> yeah so and so it's gonna go in you're gonna be like oh okay thank, thank you for sharing that and it's gonna go in one ear and out the other and the and same is go true and have BLT for like, yeah exactly and so the same thing is true is um that's why I feel personally like I feel so imp- called to empower other Christians on the um the medical and ethical side mm. of abortion to empower you guys with information because the same is true if you go to someone who has different who is an atheist who is buddhist who is a uh, practices hinduism if you go up to these people and just automatically off the bat start talking what riley talks about all of riley's po- points are great and they are mm. so valuable especially when you're talking to another christ follower right. but when you're talking to someone who is atheist or 
who doesn't practice the same beliefs as you do, it's this, it's the same thing as if someone who's vegetarian comes up to me when I have no desire to practice being being vegan or becoming a vegetarian. Does that make sense? Like, so um, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I just have like. If you guys don't have any questions, I just have um, just kind of like an ending thought regarding regarding the topic of abortion in general is many times um, the the pro-choice community uses an appeal to emotion and not necessarily logic. And I have found um, just in my own life that most times um, only the extreme cases are brought up when when we talk about abortion of like we were talking about earlier, like the, the 10 or 12 year old um, who was raped and had to go out of state yeah. for an abortion. And, Very extreme. Um, like there's only been one, like, sh- like that's terrible. Right. But she's the only. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's, yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. other yeah. Yeah, so few true. cases yeah. like that, but, you know, extreme cases um, like that or extreme cases where, you know, the mother all, all of a sudden goes into cardiac arrest and she is 20 weeks pregnant and very extreme cases like that where it's like oh well what are you going to do then what well, who do you care about then and ultimately i have just felt like the personal conviction of of like okay you are pro-life are you going to be pro-life in every single situation yeah. and that's where i felt the personal conviction of the holy spirit to like truly test um test ultimately test my trust in god of believing that he's a good father sure. um but trusting of you know like de- actually defending my my stance. That's really good. That's really good. So yeah, cool. And we could we could literally talk about this topic forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but I do have like um I think two points. Um. So one village is starting up a small group for any woman who has had an abortion. So if you know someone, or you maybe are just curious, or maybe you are in that boat, please come talk to me. I can connect you with the lady who's doing it, and the lady who's doing it. Um, her testimony is really powerful. She's had she's had two abortions. Her, she's um, she's she's amazing. She wants to help other women um, process through what that means for them as yeah. and how God views um, them now. Which and so the top the whole the whole thing is called forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so wow. it's gonna be really powerful. And so just pray for that. And then also if you know anyone, connect them to us. Yeah. We would love to connect them. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, so yeah, and I think my second point is like the church should, the church is stepping up, I believe. I, I think the church should step up. And so don't let the lie of the church needs, like people aren't doing enough, um, um, make you yeah. doubt if you're in the right boat because the church is doing a lot. Oh, my second point is actually this, this Tuesday, I'm going to a pro-life rally yes. called Love Them Both. Um, I think it's from nine to noon. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brett and I and Travis are going and anyone's welcome to join us. Um, so if you're free, that would be a great call to action where you can come and actually, work. yeah, I know <laughs> work is, work is sometimes gets in the way, but if you yeah. can be there, we'd give you a ride. It's going to be great. Um, you get a free t-shirt. So, Woo. and you get to stand alongside other people that are rooting for the same thing you are. So, yeah. so cool. yep. All right. Any questions, okay. comments? Okay, cool. thank you right. for I'll letting me, like, oh. thank you for, no, I was just going to say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Oh, and of course. You, you did so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll pray for us. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are God no matter what. Um, we thank you that one day we will be in heaven and we will be uh, away from this world that has so many hard and dark things that happen and lord i just pray that you give us wisdom to walk through every situation we're confronted with i I pray for every single person in this room 
um, as we process through um, just the topic of abortion and we talk to people that have different views than us. Lord, give us compassionate hearts. Um, give us a heart like Jesus. Show us what Jesus would say and do in the situations that we're put in. Um, but Lord, help us not um, drift away from your truth and your word. And I just thank you for Shauna. Thank you for the work and the effort she put into this and um, just how much wisdom um, she has on this topic. And I just, um, I thank you for her and um, I thank you for everyone here, Lord. And yeah, God, we know that you're sovereign, you are good. And thank you for creating us in your image. Uh, Lord, we love you and we trust you and we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.